This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here. Before we get started, Uriah said he has something special for me and Chris here. So Uriah, what is it, man? Well, it's just a little trivia, and don't oh worry, I'm not going to go back to the 90s. I know Chris would dread that. but I would barely remember it. Yeah, well, <laughs> you actually have more knowledge than, than people would think going back to like 05 when you fell in love with, uh, was it Shaq back then? Yeah, it was Shaq. Yeah. Uh, it was Miami Heat Shaq, and I, I, I loved uh, Shaq, UD, uh, Antoine Walker, James Posey. D. Wade, Jason Williams, wow. or AKA White James, Chocolate. James Posey. Man, let me tell you something. James Posey was one of the most underrated Kobe defenders in NBA history. Because what he did in 2008 on the Celtics against, you know, Kobe was fantastic. He anyway. Can't mess, he can't mess with Tony Allen. But yeah, like anyway. So this question is just, it's very relevant to the current Sixers situation, unfortunately. Can either of you name the last time the Sixers had a five-game losing streak? 2015. No, 2016. 16. Nope. 15? Chris? 19. No. Wow, but come on, guys. 2014? No. 2017. Really? The last time, this, and I'll tell you the games that they lost. Back in December of 2017, they had a loss to Oklahoma City. Then they lost to the Bulls. The okay. Kings, and then they lost to the Raptors back to back. The subsequent years, there were the Sixers when they were getting better. They had a string of four game losing streaks, but the last time we had a losing streak this bag was 2017. Was it one one of those stretches that Joel missed? That I would have to dive a little deeper into my research, but I'm, I'm because sorry. I'm thinking I'm thinking about the teams. The only team that we probably sh- I I can understand losing to who was it the the Raptors twice. They were pretty good. I think they were probably East leading back then. And then who else? We had the Kings. That they probably shouldn't have lost that. Um, who else? We got um, Chicago. They still have Jimmy Butler. Okay, that makes sense. Well, how about last year? Do you remember our four-game losing streak last year? Four-game losing streak last year. No, I do not. You're going to have to refresh me, man. All right. Remember remember the game that Embiid tossed that three and almost made it? Yeah. It's like a four-court yeah. four three-point. That, <clears throat> yeah. like, that was Phoenix. Okay. And then they lost back-to-back games to Milwaukee. That makes sense. And I'd have to go back and find out who the, the fourteen was. But yeah, there was there was one four game losing streak last year, and then one bef- the year before. And before that, they had two separate four game losing streaks. But tomorrow night, guys, I, I got a feeling that they're going to break this. What do you guys think? Against the Nuggets? Uh, yeah. No, nah, man. Nah, I don't know. Nah. b Paul's going to take it to Jokic, baby. I, I, well, I mean, guy. maybe. I mean, uh, that's so tricky though, because like, how does Drummond do against Jokic? That's that's what I need to know. Well, let, let's, if let's, let's save that for after we talk about the Utah game. Okay, let's okay, save that. Anyway. All right, all right, we'll talk about the Utah game. Um, there's really not too much to talk about. 
Yeah. So 120 to 85 in Utah's favor was the final score. Uh, easily the worst loss of this five-game losing streak. The Jazz are a very good team. Um, we'll talk more about them here in a second. But, Lucas, did any players specifically stand out to you? You know, Tyrese had 16 on 14 shots. Shake had 18 on 19 shots. But not a lot of, like, positive standout players in this game. But what were some of your takeaways? I mean, obviously, Tyrese still had pretty good efficiency. Pretty solid game. I mean, he cooled off, but it was the number of shots. And I think part of that was the game just got out of hand so quick that maybe he just didn't force the action there towards, you know, the second half and everything. Um, this was a bad Andre Drum- Drummond game, guys. And then this this was bad. He was a minus 22 in just 12 minutes. He was the only starter that didn't get above 20 minutes. And the best chance that the Sixers had was to go small ball with George's Niang at, at uh, center. And he ended up playing 30 minutes. So uh, yeah, I, I would say drum, really bad drumming game, which would I would say this is probably his first like quote unquote really bad game. But it, it was just not an ideal matchup for Drummond for sure. He had six points on in six rebounds and two turnovers in just 12 minutes so uh, i don't know chris did, did anybody else stand out to you besides them yeah i mean not not really um we what about about a negative way yeah i mean like Furcon hasn't hit a shot in a week and that's sort of unfortunate um, you think it's that risk uh, no because the first game back from the wrist he was like steph curry um so Fair. I think it's just a cold spell. Seth was one of eight from the field. He's not going to do that very often. Um, This is kind of the problem you run into when you lose Joel, who's probably one of the five or six most valuable players in the league. Um, Like this team revolves around him on both sides of the ball. Um, There's really not much more to it, but Lucas, was this even unexpected? Like, going into the game, did we think Philly had any chance? I, I felt like this was sort of a predictable blowout. Mm-hmm. Utah's been in a bit of a some murky water lately. They've kind of been on, on a downslide, relatively speaking. But they're 9-5 and five now. They're expected to be a contender. Was this surprising to you at all? I mean, even if Joel was in this game, Chris, and the Sixers were fully loaded, this would have been a 50-50 toss-up, I think. Just because how consistent and uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Consistent and um, cohesive. Long, cohesive. Thank you, thank you. You read my mind there. Yeah, cohesive. This group has been for a year in and year out, and the fact that they're deep, even the loss of George's Niang, they've done a good job replacing him with other guys like Pascal Siakam, and uh, not Pascal Siakam. Sorry, uh, Eric Pascal. Uh, Whiteside is a solid backup. Um, you got Jordan Clarkson reigning sixth man of the year. Joe Ingles is now coming off the bench. You got some young guys there too that are solid, and that starting five is still really good. So, I mean, even with Joel, this could have been a this could have been a loss, and that's just without Joel, it's it's there's no question. I I just I didn't feel like this was going to be a win. I thought it could have been closer, but obviously. That did not happen. 
Yeah, so that, that kind of leads into my next question, which is just how good is Utah? Um, again, they're 9-5 right now. I believe they're fourth place in the West, um, fourth or third. But they're right in that upper echelon. Uh, they were the number one seed last year, got eliminated in the second round by the Clippers. Lucas, do you think this is a team that can make it to the finals? No, no. And the reason why is that they don't have a number pure, a legitimate number two score. They don't have another. I mean, Jordan Clarkson can take people off the dribble, but he can be, he can be not neutralized, but he can be slowed down significantly in a playoffs uh, series. I just, I don't think this Utah team can win a championship. I don't. And the reason why, and here's the main reason why teams can go small against Utah. While Rudy Gobert has gotten better on all a defense, you know, not being killed in small ball, but he doesn't make teams, he doesn't punish teams on offense either. He's not an offensive threat, which is, you know, that's always going to be an issue. And I don't think that's going to be resolved. They, like I said, they don't have a, a legit second star, um, despite Mike Conley finally getting on. Well, that's not true. Off. They have, they have like two top 20 players, they're, they're just different. Okay, uh, rephrase, a legit secondary score. Hey, why are you sleeping on my man Joe Ingles? I'm sorry, that's Chris's guy. Yeah, that's Chris's is, guy. Is it me? I mean, my observation of... No, 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 Chris loves Joe Ingles. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is, well, it yeah. Me, is it me or does he look like a guy that just plays pickup at the Y? He does look like, day? but that that's why a lot of people love him, though. <laughs> he he kind of, He's like the Brian Scalabrini of exactly. this generation. Exactly. I yeah. like Joe Ingles. That's disrespectful to Joe Ingles. But uh, uh, hold up, hold up. Brian Scalabrine <laughs> had some game before he went to the Celtics. Okay, uh, when right. he was with the Nets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is the White Mamba. Is that what they called him? The White Mamba? <laughs> I yeah. Think so. I think yeah. So. Anyways, uh, um, <laughs> I don't know, Lucas. I I I tend to disagree. Like to say they have no chance, I think is overstating it. Like they're going to be a top four seed. They're probably going to be the top. Oh, okay, but let's see. look at look look. Let's look at the West. We both yeah, agree, no, but, but let me run it through. Okay, the Lakers that... are a great matchup for Gobert. The Clippers mm-hmm. are going to be out of it because they don't have Kawhi. If even Warriors, if he comes back, he's not going to be himself. Warriors are a bad matchup. I'll give you that. Uh huh. Frankly, like the Suns, the Lakers, the Nuggets, those are all pretty manageable matchups for for Gobert. And even last season, Gobert was pretty great in the playoffs. It really wasn't his fault that they lost. Like, Gobert is probably the most dominant defender in the league. Then why did they lose, though? What made them lose against the Clippers? The Clippers were better. Because they had a legit second star. Yeah. But the Clippers aren't there this year. But a lot of other teams have legit second stars. Let's and let's go back to the Nuggets. The Warriors here. don't have one. They they will once Clay comes back. We haven't seen Clay in three years. Yeah, I the guess the Suns. Three. The huh. Suns, I the Suns are a contender, but I mean, I, I think UConn could have handled Phoenix in a playoff series last year. I don't. Maybe Rudy Gobert is right on the same level, I think, in terms of impact as Chris Paul. I I don't think there's like a big gap there. If anything, Gobert might be the more impactful player. You could ooh, 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 ooh. Hang on, I gotta have to open a window because that's a hot take there. It's 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 really not in my opinion, but you know Dallas. It's Luca and Porzingis. Porzingis is looking good right now. He's on a tear right now, sort of. But like, 
If if Porzingis can if is a liability, not a good coach. Um, they're doing pretty good with them. Coach him in circles. They're they're doing fine, and they're they're going to have a, a losing streak here in a few games. Like it, it's well, because because Luca's not there. The Nuggets, I think the the Nuggets might be my pick if Jamal comes back and he's Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. gets like, like Jokic. Okay, you know I said that before, like Jokic might prior be the best to the beginning the of the season, right? Yeah, like Jokic might be the best player in the West right now, right up there yeah. with Steph, and they have a deep, pretty well rounded team, like. I'm not saying Utah is my pick, but to say they don't have a chance, I, I think is overstating it. Because this is a team that's been at the top of the West for a while. They've been every other team. They're one of the best defenses on planet Earth. They've gotten better this offseason around the margins, I think. I think the defense is going to be better in the playoffs this time around. And Quinn Shander's just a really good coach. So I, I, I think they have a chance. I'm not saying they're my favorite. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Warriors or even the Nuggets or even the Suns, but I certainly think they have a chance, and they're on the level of those teams. I mean, they're on the level, but I there's just they have it's been so long they've never done it, and they've been going at this for what four to five years now. I just there's no faith for me there. Uh, I will let me just touch on you, uh, Denver though, because I you re, I, I remember saying this, and you I remember you loving when I said this, but yeah, if Jamal Murray comes back. Michael Porter comes back healthy because he's injured right now. They it will Barton too. Like if they their starting five is actually healthy, the bench is solid enough. You can live with that bench of the both the green twins. They're not actually twins, but you know, you got Austin Rivers coming off the bench. He can be a spark plug. Can't Monte Morris is a good backup point guard. Um, I cannot pronounce that guy from Italy, but his name uh, that he's a good point guard. Um, what was he like a 27 year old rookie last year or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think my two picks out coming out of the West right now, assuming health does return to the Nuggets, and same thing goes for the Warriors, unless Russell Westbrook can get out of his own way and change his game, and Anthony Russell Davis Westbrook, is willing to play. Se- is it like a top 30 player? You were really like certain about that take, Lucas. You were really like okay, well, and right new information has presented mind. itself, Chris, and I can change my mind on it. He was really bad for half the last season. He looks bad this season. It, it's not a good look, Lucas. Okay, all right. It's been rough. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I like. The, I don't want to count out the Lakers because of LeBron and AD, but if if it's if rough. if AD can is willing to play center. Then this changes the dynamic of any, everything. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they just don't have very many good players other than those three, which makes it tough. Um, I mean, Taylor Horton, Tucker, Carmelo. Yeah, but like, uh, Carmelo. Uh, I mean, I 15 know. on 45% shooting from three. He's been is good not... this year, but like, if you're leaning on Carmelo in the playoffs, I'm not sure it's going to get you very far. Are we really going to do this drum thing before I introduce it? Am I gonna have to do a little thing? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. And our next topic is we're gonna talk about Joel Embiid and other key players' uh, status for the Nuggets game coming up. Gosh, I let after this podcast, let's not do that Trump anymore. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I agree. Chris made oh, us do please. it, guys. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> 
So, according to Keith Pompey of the Inquirer, uh, he tweeted out this: jo- uh, Sixers center Joel Embiid, both in health and safety protocols, along with Danny Green, left hamstring tightness, remain out for tomorrow's game against the Denver Nuggets. After missing Thibel and Embiid throughout the, this losing skid, how can we measure what they mean to this team's defense, Chris? Um, well, the Sixers have like a bottom 10 defense right now. So it's pretty, that's not where they normally are. Um, that's never, they've never been in that position with Embiid on the team all these years. Um, so I think it's pretty simple. Like with that Embiid and Thibel, who are two all defense members, they aren't a very good defensive team. There's a lot of holes. We saw that Drummond just got played off the floor by Utah. Um, unlike you, Lucas, I'm not quite as optimistic about him turning that around against Jokic. Um, I no, well, okay, I didn't say that. But give me a chance to, because I asked what the numbers were. That's all I asked. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not I'm not holding my breath, but yeah, I, they're like they're just not a good defensive team right now. Um, even Danny is like one of their few half decent defenders. He's not out there now, so it's. They're running short on good defenders in general across the board. Um, once Joel's back, once Matisse is back, they'll probably be a top 10 defense again. And I think it's that simple. So, yeah. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see for sure, Chris. I, I don't I don't know. The, the The best defender on this team without without um, Joel and Thibel and Danny Green is arguably either Tobias Harris, Andre Drummond, or Paul Reed. That's that's not really exciting. I mean, it's probably like it's been Drummond for most of the year, but you're gonna have nights like last night where he just can't do anything. That's kind of the Drummond experience. So yeah, you yeah. run into problems. I think with one of those players, let's say Embiid played, obviously it enhances their chances tremendously to win one of these five games they lost. But even if we had Matisse and not Joel. I think Matisse could have made some plays when the games were tight against games like um, I think the Toronto game where they made a comeback. I, I think maybe one of those guys would have made a difference. For sure. For sure. Um, I don't yeah. know. And well, we, we even though Danny Green's not really on the agenda for this section, I do want to bring him up because guys, I just wrote about it. Danny Green's having the wor- one of the worst defensive seasons of his career. Yeah, he's cr- averaging a career high in steals, but it's also fouls. He's having the worst defensive, uh, you know, defensive rating per 100 possessions of his career right now. One of the worst um, defensive plus minus scores of his career. Not the worst, but one of the worst. Um, he he's getting beat a lot more. I think we can all say that that he's getting beat off the dribble a lot more. Let me ask you guys this: Do you guys think it's time to bench Danny Green, even if he comes back? If not because of his play, if more to preserve him so that he's more healthy during the playoffs, because the age is a concern, and the fact that he's already had two hamstring injuries in the first fourteen games, fifteen games, is is concerning for me. Yeah, I mean, you can preserve him without benching him. You can limit his minutes still. I I don't really care. Like I he's He's not like finishing game games game. anymore. He's not, and that's that's really fine. I don't think many of us I, I don't think he's really done anything super unexpected. Like we all know he's on the 
downswing of his career. He's 34. He's 34, yeah. But he's still hitting a lot of threes. He's still fine as a team defender. Like, you're not bumping him out of the rotation or anything. 25 minutes a night, he's pretty. He's fine for that. I, I, no, I, I don't know if 25, I would, because he's playing, I think he's averaging, what, about 20, well, it's like, 20 minutes per game? Like, who else is getting those minutes? Corkmaz. Like Corkmaz. Corkmaz, Thibel. Depending Sorry. on who's hot. But then you take like playmakers out of the second unit. Thibel's even worse offensively than Danny is. Yeah, like like uh, it's I, I don't think you can start Thibel and play him thirty minutes a night right now. I I don't think he's there yet. You so. also can't start Corkmaz and play him thirty minutes a night right yeah, now. Yeah, so you spread the wealth. That, like I think it's that simple. Those guys are all going to play twenty twenty five minutes a night, mm-hmm. and that's fine with me. I don't think any of them have to play thirty minutes. Um, okay, I think the benefit of playing Thibel thirty thirty five minutes, contrary to what Chris just said, is you get him ready for the playoffs. He has proven in the past that he can go on a hot streak from three. And of course that dies down. But I think by putting him in a starting lineup, you put him against the other team's best players and Thibel can disrupt that where green is going to be like, you know, Oh, come down the lane. I can't really do anything because I'm 34 years old, put him on a bench and, you know, maybe give him 15 minutes a game. And fun fact guys, you know, Thibault's averaging, what, 2.3 steals and 1.7 blocks and only 1.7 fouls versus Danny, who's averaging 2.1 fouls. Uh, that I think the 2.1 is cried, tied for a career high, if not a career high. Like, like I agree with Uriah that there are certain matchups and certain points in the playoffs where Matisse is going to play more because they need his defense, especially if Ben's not back. But there have also been matchups in the past where Matisse has been like unplayable, and mm-hmm. there are going to be games, regular and postseason, when that's the case. Like, I, he's just such, he's too much of an offensive detriment to play 35 minutes a night. Like, I just I don't mean, think that would help. In the regular I mean, season, it, it, I don't really think it matters as much. Like, you, you it give doesn't. Him, you, you, but give him rep, you give him reps. You give him experience so that by the time the playoffs come around, he will have that confidence to pull up and, and shoot from three. That's, that's what I would do. I mean, I've, I think he's been more confident this year than he has in years past. But let's go ahead and then we're talk, let's go ahead and switch gears, guys, and talk about the offense now. What, Chris, what do you think the you know, absence of Thibault and Embiid, primarily Embiid, because we know how you feel about Thibault at this point on offense. What do you think, what, what do you think his absence means for the offense? Uh, um, well, they scored 85 points the other night. Um, like, again, this offense has been pretty well built around Joel and his skill set. Um, they don't have like a lot of elite, consistent playmakers on the perimeter. Even with Maxi becoming the player that he's becoming, it's still pretty evident every time you go out and watch them that Joel is not there. Um, the shooters are having their worst stretch of the season. The Sixers started the season really hot. They were always going to cool off, but part of it is that when you take Joel out, it, it it's harder to find good looks for the Curries and the Korkmazes and the Niangs of the world. And now they're all like struggling. I don't think that's entirely a coincidence. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Sixers have always been a good offensive team with Joe. Doc Rivers is a good offensive coach. They don't really look like a good offensive team right now. So it's, 
Like Embiid's one of the three or four most valuable players in the NBA. It's that simple. Like he doesn't have the star help that uh, other mega superstars have right now. So the Sixers need him even more. And he he carries this team on both sides of the ball. So it's it's hard to live without him. Yeah, you kind of touched on everything I was going to say. I generally agree with you. Um, so, Chris, with that, with both of those points in mind, what do you think the outcome will be of this uh, Nuggets game? Do you think we're going to win? Do you think we're going to lose? Do you think it's going to be close? Do you think it's going to be a blowout? What's up? Uh, I mean, like, game to game in the regular season, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, Nuggets know. are without, I think, four of no three of their starting five yeah which is true but at the same time one of the players they do have is Jokic you know the Sixers really don't have anyone who can go up against Jokic uh five you know Harris and Maxi are wonderful but Jokic might win MVP again that alone makes it kind of difficult to say with any confidence that the Sixers are going to win this game um they've lost five in a row for a reason they just aren't very good without Joel um, this is on the road, you know, the third straight game on the road for them. It's just not a very, in their, you know, the altitude is always kind of tough in Denver. So not a lot of factors in Philly's favor right now, especially with, you know, Danny out and more guys getting hurt. It's just, I put my money on the nuggets. Anything can happen, but I think Denver's probably going to win. ESPN has the meta, the power <clears throat> index 62% chance of winning this game just putting that out there yeah i'm, I'm gonna agree with chris if he, joel was there then i'd be excited because with the recent incident with jokic and uh markeith morris i would just love to see joel try to push his buttons that being said <laughs> that, that being be said that would be fun that would be fun <laughs> that being said i i mean i think drummond won't be quite as terrible in this game versus he was against Utah, but who knows? I would need to see the, his matchup numbers against Jokic in the past. Outside of Aaron Gordon, they're not a good defensive team. Maybe Jeff Green and Jamichael Green, but Jamichael plays deep uh, center. And I mean, like they've been playing pretty solid defense, though. Jokic has been like genuinely good on defense this year. They have some decent perimeter guys. Like I don't think they're bad on defense. I well, I I'm certainly but they're a not but, defensive team as constructed than the Sixers without. I, I I okay, fair enough. But I also I what my point was is that I don't think they're good at, as good as Utah is defensively. So I don't think they'll be quite as bad game shooting wise. And I think when you look at this game, it's not that Tyrese didn't have a bad game shooting. It's just that he it looked like he was kind of tired to be honest. Um. So getting only 29 minutes of burn in this game against the Jazz might actually help him a little bit get, you know, ready yeah. for the I you know, I I think we'll the have Sixers a bounce back. Need to, like give Tyrese a day off or two probably. Seriously, like, cuz like they're going to run this kid into the ground. Yeah. Like they, honestly, just like if they sat Tyrese tomorrow and just took the LA, that's fine with him. Like, yeah. He's, he's playing yeah. playing 40 minutes a night for 2 weeks. It's not sustainable hey chris no. you're gonna like this stat i'm looking at the defensive leaders points allowed for the teams in the entire nba number one denver nuggets huh 98.9 points a game and i'll give credit when credit is due Jokic has definitely stepped up defensively this year so denver's number one in the league wow oh, go figure never thought would not that. would not have guessed that 
But uh, I think on that note, we can probably go ahead and uh, introduce the next topic. So, Chris, go ahead and introduce the next topic for us. No, oh, no, no, no. You're not <laughs> getting away with it. Do it. Oh, man. Well, all right. Well, you have to introduce it and do it. I the will. Topic is... Yeah. Go ahead. And the next topic is. Oh, that's horrible. You, oh, you got to get into roll it. Roll it. <laughs> We're talking about the Eastern Conference standings. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that's just the most energetic, eardrum. like excited that I've ever you heard you. Just ruptured my eardrums, man. Oh my gosh, that was fantastic. Thank you. That um, was that made that drum worth it. That made the drum worth it. We're talking about the Eastern Conference standings. We're going to talk about some of the teams at the top, and then we'll move to teams that aren't at the top, but that could one day end up at the top. We'll start with Washington, Lucas. They're 10-3 and three right now. They're the number one seed in the East. Uh, do you think they're going to fall? Do you think it's sustainable? I mean, no. I mean, will they fall? Yes, I think they will, just because you got teams like Chicago and Brooklyn. Miami's looking really good. And I expect team, you know, other teams that we'll talk about here in a minute to also climb. But I mean, the other thing is, is that I, that that being said, I don't think they'll drop significantly. Maybe to like the lowest I see is like sixth because they have really good depth and they're going to get more players back. Rui Hachimura is about to make his return, and he's going to be in the lineup somehow. Probably going to be replacing Advi. Ad, cannot say Advia is better than Rui. Ooh, Ooh those are head. fighting words, Chris. I don't, I do, I disagree. Really, not a good, consistently good player yet. It's like, it's, it's well, it anyway, regardless, Kyle Kuzma needs to stay starting at a power forward. He's inefficient and he's a terrible defender. Avdi has been a great defender this season. Anyway, not even a hard choice. And then they also have Thomas Bryant coming back too, though they would probably slowly bring him along because of the ACL uh, recovery. But, and they have really good center depth too. With uh, mm-hmm. Harold and uh, Daniel Gafford, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, I can see them dropping, but I, I don't think it's going to be like a huge drop. They're still going to be like a lock to stay in the playoffs. I just, without being in the play-in, I just don't think they, they're going to be at the number one seed by the time the season's over. Yeah, I agree with that. Um... I think they're like legit. They're a deep and well-rounded team. Wes Unsell Jr. seems like a great coach so far, but they're probably not going to be the one seed. Um, but Lucas, what are your thoughts on the Bulls? They're in second place right now, ten and four. Two of those losses to Philly. Um, but what are your thoughts in Chicago? They look pretty good. Do you think they're going to fall, or do you think they're a top two, three seed? I think they're a top two, three seed. I, I think they're legit. Their perimeter defense is arguably the best in the league with Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. They still got other good defenders like uh, Tony Bradley. Shout out to my boy. Um, let's see here. Uh, Javante Green is pretty good. They have good role players that are good defenders. DeMar DeRozan has stepped up on that side of the ball. So has Zach Levine. Um, Vucevic, before he went into health and safety protocols, was looking good. No, Without Patrick. I mean, again, if we count the games against Joel, no. But def- Overall, he was not bad defensively. All I've seen from Chicago Twitter this season is complaining about Booch. Because he's not scoring as much because he's a third option and he hasn't learned to be like... Booch will look better. He's a good player. Yeah, yeah. He's going to figure it out like Chris Bosh figured it out, but it's going to take time. Um, That being said, um, 
their power forward depth is concerning. They're starting Javante Green right now at the position, and he's like six 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 seven maybe. I don't, he might be shorter than that. To be honest. Um, so that's every power forward is six seven at this point. Who's starting? How many teams are starting two seven footers? Like um, Dallas. It's Cleveland and Dallas. Um, that's like two teams. Oh, wait a minute, L.A. Well, before well, this yeah. recent. But all we talk about is how they shouldn't be starting two seven footers. Okay, but at the same time, Javante <laughs> Green is definitely like a wing, not a power. Okay. Force. But any anyway any anyway but yeah no I I like their team they're they're gonna get better as the season goes on I think they're a top threes team. Top two, top three for sure. The Bulls have a lot of guards and wings, and that's part of why they're so good. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. I was banging the Chicago drum before the season. I think the offense is legitimate. The defense has been way better than anyone could have anticipated. So there isn't really a ton of concern for me there. Like, DeRozan and Levine are two extremely gifted offensive players. People are saying DeRozan should be in the MVP conversation. I, I don't know if I would I say that. that. I but, mean, like, to this point, he's probably been, like, top five or six. Like, he's had a great year. He's he has had a great year, but I, I don't think he's going to win it. I, I well, no. Like, Steph or Jokic are going to win. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Steph. Steph. I'm, I'm, Steph, Steph is my MVP. Steph, it's, yeah. it's a two-man yeah. race this year. Um, hey, can someone answer this for me real quick about the Bulls? How come, yeah. how come Lonzo Ball does not average minimum eight assists a game? With all that firepower, he can't get – Eight assists a game. Well, okay. Yeah. Here's the thing with Lonzo. He's he's had to learn to play off the ball. That being said, you do have two other playmakers on that in that starting five with Demar, who can average six assists, and Levine, who can average four to five. So right. he does have to take a back seat sometimes. That being said, he is essential to their success on offense because he can distribute the ball and play off of it at the same time. He can run an offense without having to dominate an offense, which makes Lonzo yeah. a really special player. And gosh, I wish we had him. There are six players in the NBA averaging eight or more assists per game right now. It, it's not like a common yeah. number. And he, like, as Lucas said, Lonzo's an off-ball player. That's like his gift. He's not Chris Paul. He's not setting up the offense in a pick-and-roll every possession. He doesn't he's, need to do that to run an offense. He's one of the great connective passers, like moving the ball, making quick decisions on the fly. That's Lonzo's bread and butter. He's not yeah. gonna like. He's not running the game. He's not a traditional point guard. That's never been the case. It wasn't the case at UCLA. It shouldn't have been the case in New Orleans, even though they kind of tried to make him one. This is Lonzo's best role is next to other ball handlers, which I think is part of why he's having what looks to be his best season so far. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my take on Lonzo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, that was a good take. I like it. But, yeah. So, Cleveland is another team we need to talk about. They're number five right now. They're I think they're going to drop. I, I, I think they're going to drop, drop Chris. And the only reason why I think they're going to drop is because of injuries. Yeah, Mobley's hurt. Mobley's going to be out for four to six weeks, I think. Two to four. Two to four, my bad. Two to four, which hurts my fantasy team, obviously. Aren't you glad trade you didn't trade? The, can I trade him net for him now? No, no. Come on, two to four he, weeks. He's no. not that good. He's not like he's 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 in the line to win rookie of the year right now. Okay, that has nothing to do with fantasy. Okay, okay. anyway, not can we focus on real basketball, not fantasy basketball, no. for like one podcast, please? Anyway, you would like that, wouldn't you? 
I barely lost to Uriah, okay? Can we, like, move on? And I won fantasy football, so I don't want to hear it from you. My whole team's got COVID. My whole team. I missed one day, and it really screwed me over, okay? It happened this (laughs) week again. I I missed Monday. That's on you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Anyway. Anyway. But, yeah, Evan Mobley's out, who has been, like, the linchpin of their defense. Well, him and Jared Allen. But, like. Mobley's their best perimeter defender, mm-hmm. which is strange for like having a seven footer in, in your starting five. Um, it, Lowry Marketing's out with injury. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but he's not back. Neither is Kevin Love, who has been a good reserve for them this season, not throwing his temper tantrums. Well, yet. Kevin Love's back today. Is he back today? Okay, so that took that took longer than expected, but he's back. Um, and Colin Sexton's out for a while too. I think. Right? How long is he? Like six to eight weeks. He tore his meniscus, so it'll be yeah. a while. Yeah, it'll be a while. So they're they're really depleted. They had a hot start, and if they were healthy, I give them a I I give them a shot to be in the playoffs. But I I think they would have dropped regardless a little bit. But with all these injuries, they're going to drop, and I don't know if they're going to be able to make make the ground back up to stay in the play in. By the time yeah. everybody's healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I think they can still make the playoffs, or at least the play-in, but it, it'll be tough sledding with these injuries. Mobley's been great. Um, Garland's been good. Garland, six, they, six. Have a, they have a legitimately good team. Um, yeah. but with the weird lineups, but good teams. Yeah. They're starting three seven-footers when they're healthy. But um, Yeah, that doesn't make much sense to me, but it works for them. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum now. We're going to start here with Milwaukee. They're 6-8 and eight right now. They're the 11th seed in the East. Um, Lucas, do you think they're going to climb? I assume you do. I yeah, I, I do. And they just got Chris Middleton back. They're still waiting on Brooke Lopez, still waiting on Dante DiVincenzo. Once they get healthy, they're going to climb. And... You know, I I think they're I think they're probably going to get out of the play-in. I I think they're probably if they they have plenty of time to climb, they can go on a winning streak and get in the top four again. I don't know if they'll be top three, but they can definitely be top four. Um, yeah, I yeah. I think it's that simple. I I think they're a top five team at the worst. Um, how yes. about the Knicks? They're eight and six. They're only half a game behind Cleveland. Ooh. Um. That'd be, but they've been kind of struggling lately. Do we think they're going to rise back up, or do we think they're more of a mid-tier playing team? I mean, we all thought that they were going to be a mid-tier playing team. I think we all thought they overachieved last year. I'm going to say that they could be – I think they either stay put at six or they could drop to, like, nine. I think that that's their range. So yeah. I, I think I think that's where they're at. I don't. I don't think they're going to be able. Like when Cleveland drops, Milwaukee's going to rise. Like that's the team I think is going to make the biggest jump because of Cleveland's health. And so, yeah, Knicks aren't going to go anywhere. And if they go anywhere, they'll go slightly down. Yeah, I buy that. Um, how about the Celtics? They're seven and seven. They're number nine right now. Ooh. Uh, been quite a season for them so far. Very eventful. And strange year, as has been the case for the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Celtics? Oh gosh, that is such a that that is such a sticky situation. That's almost as sticky as our situation. Be honest, chemistry wise. Um, well, I don't know. Their team's like actually mediocre. We're mediocre because we're missing Joel. Like they have two, two super. They have two all stars. 
Mm-hmm. Legit, like, top 30 players. They do. But, I mean, they're relying on Al Horford to be their best defender because Robert Williams isn't it this year. Um, Dennis Schroeder, minus 138-point game, has not looked great. Marcus Smart is starting to become more of an issue than a lie, uh, than a positive in that locker room. I don't know, Chris. They could, dare I say, drop out of the play-in. Dot, dot, yeah. I, I, I could see it happen. I could see it happen. I don't know if it will, but I, I could see it. Because, I mean, you look at the teams that aren't in there. Atlanta's going to turn around. Milwaukee's going to turn around. You got Indiana, who who could very well turn it around as well. Boston continues to struggle with their chemistry and not have an identity. This this could go south very quickly for Boston. Yeah, I mean Atlanta's a team that's not even on our list, but they're twelfth in the East right now. Yeah, Indiana, who just lost to Detroit. I don't think the Hawks are going to finish twelfth in the East. They're five and one at home this season and one and eight on the road. I assume that gets better. Um, mm-hmm. Like that's that's a very deep and talented team. I just don't think they're going to be that bad all year. So, yeah. um, there's certainly room for Boston to drop. I also think like above them is Charlotte right now. Right below them is Toronto. I I think those are teams Boston can outplay, but it'll be tough because the Bucks and the Hawks are coming. I agree. And and I like the Hornets in in Toronto to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, I, they're not yeah. they're not bad teams by any means. Um, I, th- I thought the Hornets were your uh, league pass team, Chris. They are. I love the Hornets. Okay. 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 Um, but we're gonna we're gonna end talking about the Sixers. They are the eighth seed right now. They're tied with Charlotte at eight and seven. How far do we think they can climb, Lucas? Embiid's probably going to be back somewhat soon, at least in the next couple of you know, games, hopefully. Mm-hmm. How far can Philly climb once they're back healthy? That is a tricky question there, Chris. I don't think they're going to go on like a 10-game win streak. It depends on when, when Ben Simmons gets traded. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. Um, that being said... Without if this team stays put without a Ben Simmons trade and not knowing what will come back in return, just based on this current roster and it staying healthy, I think the best they can do is fifth. I think that's the best. Best. The worst is that they're at the bottom of the plan, but I think the best they can do is the fifth seed. Yeah, that seems a little. I don't know. It's super early in the season. We're only like fifteen percent into the year. I. There's plenty of time for them to turn it around. They're only, right now, like a game and a half behind Miami for the four seed. If Joel comes back relatively soon, I I can see them getting a top four, even a top three seed again. Like that, they were the number one seed. They were eight and two before. I, I, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm expecting other teams to, I've, I expect Brooklyn to figure it out. I, I don't think Miami's going to like, diso- you know, Miami's yeah. gonna win a lot of regular season games. I, I I will say like opposite side of that coin is Philly probably wasn't quite as good as eight and two made them look. Um, yeah, I was about shooters, to say. shooters have cooled off. Yeah, like they're probably not gonna have too many runs quite like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, let's let's okay. Let me ask you this: at the end of the season, who's gonna be higher in the rankings, the Bucks or the Sixers? The Bucks. Okay, hundred percent. 
And we all we both think that Washington will drop drop out of the top three or four, right? I don't know. Like four or five, I think it's possible. It's four. I think it's possible. I don't know, Chris. It's it's tough. This Eastern this Conference. Is it's the East is good. The East, like you already said in the last podcast, this is the deepest the East has been since the nineties. Yeah, I think so. the Sixers are better than Washington. I'm, I'm. Oh, I, I think if Washington you put them, a, you playoffs. know, healthy in a seven game series, the Sixers would win that yeah. series. But like regular season wise, they're the Washington's deeper. Hey like, Lucas, I think I mentioned the Knicks. I mentioned the Heat. Yeah. I didn't mention the Pacers with Reggie Miller. I didn't mention the fact that the Charlotte Hornets had Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning at one point. They got uh, they, back the Orlando. Then, Orlando. Exactly. The Magic were, were deep. The East was was something to not mess around with. In the I mean, let me think of – let me see if I can think of any other teams – uh no boston was in a rebuild sixers were in a rebuild the wizards made this the playoffs i think in 95 or 96 when they were the bullets right yeah yeah the washington bullets i forget i remember they had that really tall dude like that was like george murison there we go he was in a rap video wasn't he oh he wasn't a rap video but who was anyway not important (laughs) i'm trying to think of anybody else in the east back then um detroit was Detroit in a rebuild? Mm, yeah, the Pistons in the mid '90s were not that. Good. Yeah, they they were in a rebuild, and then the Bucks they had no Ray Allen didn't come on until late, so they were they must have been in a re- no they had Glenn Rice didn't they? Yeah, that was late '90s. The Bucks okay. the Bucks weren't really formed. Okay, before. what about uh? Well, Chicago obviously. No. Oh yeah, Bulls. Uh, Toronto Toronto had Vince Carter. No. Not no, not yet. Then they didn't really do anything until 98, 99. Okay. Um, I mean, they had, had Damon Stoudemire, who's like ooh. a 20 point guard. That, 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 decent, that, but nah, Mark, and Marcus nah. Camby was all right on that team. Um, they didn't do much. I thought Marcus Camby didn't go because he didn't want to be traded there and he refused to go there. Nah, he got drafted. He got drafted there. Who? What, which player refused to go to the Raptors at once they were traded there? Uh, it's a good question. It yeah. might it might have been him. He probably didn't. Maybe it was later in his career. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of any other Eastern teams off the top of my head. Um, the Nets? No, they weren't no, good. They sucked. Um, let's see here. The no, we I, we named pretty Hawks. much all of them. Yeah, I got them. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Hawks sorry. Were. Where were we at? Oh, yeah, we were finishing, we're finishing that up. up. Yeah, yeah, we can move on to the next. Okay, one. this th- I think this topic definitely deserves a drum. <sighs> I, I I don't <laughs> right. like this intro, and I, I really know. don't like this topic. All right, well, let's just go ahead do the drum roll. All right, and the next topic is should the Sixers swap? Di- um, shoot. Uh. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Difficult play. I was gonna say disgruntled, but my brain. No. Let, let me try that Fumbling again. Fumbling at the one yard line. <laughs> oh gosh, I pulled a Russell Wilson there, huh? Anyway, Dude, should I do a, the drum roll? Yeah, yes, yes, please again. Corner of the backboard. Okay. Anyway, just don't get too excited, man. I know. I got too excited. <laughs> All right, let's try this again. Okay. We're gonna talk about swapping controversial stars. So, Chris, 
How would you feel if the Sixers decided to do a straight-up trade Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving? Like the point of trading Ben is to reduce the amount of headaches that we as a fan base have. Um, look, Kyrie is a better player than Ben Simmons. He would be a better fit on the Sixers. He would improve their championship odds dramatically. Um, but he's also like being kind of an idiot these days. Um, is unvaccinated for inexplicable reasons and is not has not played basketball all season. He there's no guarantee that even wants to play in Philly. We know that his attitude um, can fluctuate rather dramatically. Um, so I, I I think that's just a headache best avoided. I I I I would not count on him just showing up to Philly and balling out. So uh, you know. It would makes a lot of sense on paper, but when you really dig into it, they're they're just guys I'd rather have than Kyrie. Even if Kyrie's the better player, I don't know if you can trust him. Um, just like as a, you know, I don't know if you can trust Kyrie at this point. So I would pass. The Sixers have Tyrese Maxey. I think we can all say that he has All Star potential. All right, and That's I'm not, not the reason. <laughs> okay, but do you really want to try the stunt, Ty- Tyrese? To just you know, possibly get uh, you know Kyrie Irving. I don't want Kyrie, but it's not Based because on... it would stunt Tyrese. Well, yeah, yeah, Kyrie yeah, yeah. Well, like... I mean, that's just a small reason. That's not my main reason here, Chris. But the other thing is, and I don't know what the Nets are doing. I I don't think they're finding him, but I don't know if they're paying him or not. But do you honestly think if Kyrie would continue his holdout here or whenever he would disappear, the Sixers wouldn't find him or withhold his paycheck? Like I, I think that would happen here. I mean, they're doing it with Ben. Well, Why not right. do it with Ben? That Kyrie might retire. Yeah, that that's another thing. Yep, that 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 had been floated around a, a month ago that if Kyrie was traded to any other team, that he would retire. Kyrie has been giving up money all season. He clearly doesn't care as much as like Ben about getting yeah. paid. Yeah, he doesn't. Well, who knows what Kyrie really cares? Well, about. Well, let me let me jump in here and throw some numbers at you guys. Okay, now Kyrie Irving, yes, he's a difficult player. Yes, we talked off air that he kind of thinks he's the smartest player in the room type deal. And I think he's a weirdo personally. Um, he, he did the movie. What was the movie he did? He dressed up like an old man. Oh, that's uh, Uncle Drew. Yeah, Uncle, Uncle Drew. Drew yeah. I thought that was a weird movie. Yeah, I thought it was a weird movie. But anyway, but basketball wise, Chris, you nailed it. He is a better player than Ben Simmons. I'm looking at his stats right now. For his career, he averages 22.8 points a game. 39% from three. Did you hear me? 39%, 88% free throw percentage. Field goal percentage, he's around 47, 48%. Could you imagine him in the playoffs with Joel Embiid? That would be an amazing one-two punch. Defensively, he doesn't touch Ben. He does not touch Ben. However, if we're trying to take advantage of Embiid's window, which is like two to four years or three to five years, Kyrie's kind of on that same wavelength. That's how much time he's he has left. So I would do it in a heartbeat because Ben just he's he's does not he's not going to pan out here. Yeah, I I I just I can't agree with you there, Uriah. I just I can't do it because he's a difficult player. Well, here's the thing: Chris said there's like rumors of him retiring. He came out and publicly said, "I still love this game. I still want to play." It's just whatever's happening with COVID is hindering him from making progress and coming out past his beliefs. 
Well, it's no. only hindering him because he's making he's he's choosing for it to hinder him. He has every and once, possi- once he, all he these COVID restrictions tomorrow. get lifted, then he'll come back and be an officer. But he's not he's not okay, but he's not sitting out because he's not anti-vaxxer. He's sitting out because he doesn't believe that people should have to be vaccinated to keep their job, which is another way of saying I don't want to get vaccinated. Yeah. Look, Perry is for all intents and purposes an anti-vaxxer right now. Um, like, that's just what his reputation in the culture is. Um, Kyrie, if it were all circumstances were normal and he were a normal person, I'd trade Ben for him in a heartbeat. But right now, there's no guarantee that Ben is ever going to come back to Philly and play at full strength and be the Ben Simmons. You can't trade him for another player where there's doubt over whether or not he'd contribute at full strength to your team. You can't trade one headache for another um, if you're like, it's just not, it's not a risk. I think the Sixers should take, it's not really a risk like Brooklyn logically, if you're, you know, hopefully the COVID stuff for them goes away by next season and they get him back for another three, four years, they'd probably prefer that over having been like, I, I don't think it really is going to happen for either side, but I, I'd just stay away if I were the Sixers. Well, and here's the thing, Chris. He said it, the Sixers would trade for Kyrie if he was a normal person when it came to this type of stuff. But if he was a normal person, he wouldn't be sitting out, and then they would be balling it out with Kyrie. Yeah. So, yeah. This, like, the entire premise of this trade isn't even basketball-related. It's that Ben doesn't want to be in Philly, and the Nets can't play Kyrie right now. Like, obviously that factors into it at a certain point, but there's no basketball reason for Brooklyn to want this trade. There's no basketball reason there is a basketball reason for Philly, but it doesn't matter because there's not one for Brooklyn. Um, the Nets can still win a championship without Kyrie. The Sixers, it's a bit more debatable whether they can win one without Ben. I don't think the Nets are have as much pressure to move on from Kyrie as the Sixers do to move on from Ben, um, regardless of what Daryl Morey says publicly. Like, the Sixers are very good, and I think they can win a lot of games this year, and I think they'll be like a mid level contender, but I don't know if they're winning a championship with Tyrese Maxey and no Ben Simmons trade. So let's go ahead and I think on that note, Chris, I think let's just go ahead and wrap things up. If you want to go ahead and play us out, I think that'd be a good idea. All right. To all our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. As always, you can like, subscribe, follow along, give us a review. Leave us five stars, etc., on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And until next week, have a good one. We'll be back to talk more Sixers then. Um, but yeah, peace out, everyone.